0: Hey guys, I'm Molly and this is Projects That Matter. There are many things we can do to help people around us and there are some incredible people who are running all sorts of programs. This podcast will be a platform for Projects That Matter to speak about what they do, why they do it and the impact they make in the lives of the people they help. They truly are changing lives and that's what I want to use this platform for. Today we're speaking with Sam Sabin. Sam is from Montana in the United States and works in sales, marketing, and sustainability for Sabin Metal Corporation. Sam decided to go to Ukraine when the conflict started to help assist an orphanage that he has supported in the past. We can only imagine what he witnessed. Sam, thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Molly.
0: That's okay. Um, Now, Sam, what originally made you decide to go to Ukraine when the conflict started?
1: Great question. Uh, so with working on the Andrew Sabin Family Foundation, I have responsibilities to ensure that our funds are being allocated correctly uh, with different projects and foundations. Uh, with the City of Goodness, also known as Mistro Dobra in Chernipsy, Ukraine, we saw that they were a domestic abuse center that converted into an orphanage and needed funding in order to support the war-torn region and help those family and children um, with protection and shelter. Um, so with that, I was able to you know, go and explore and see the, the actual orphanage in the flush, as well as uh, be able to help with humanitarian aid and actually assist and shadow the founder um, uh, Martha.
0: That's really incredible. Before you went over there, obviously you heard about the conflict and everything that started when it went through your mind that you wanted to go over there. Did, did it create a bit of fear in you? Were you scared of going over there? Were you scared that you might get caught up in the conflict? Um, it's obviously, uh, an amazing thing that you did and it's so brave. However, I think many people would be, be extremely scared. How did you feel?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, you know, yeah, I think it's similar to a lot of experiences that we always have. Is you don't really know what you're feeling until you're actually in it uh, and you actually see it for for you know through your own eyes. Um, the journey over was extremely long. Uh, I did about four stops to get there from the United States, stopping in um, Frankfurt, then in to Poland, and then down to Romania, and then actually driving across the border. So it was a journey that took a couple of days, but. With that being said, you don't, you know, you don't feel the the magnitude of what's going on until you, you kind of see it uh, arriving at the border to armed guards and military. Uh, you see a, a line of trucks uh, exiting the border um, that are, you know, essentially leaving um, with supplies, and then you you also kind of see when you're driving on the roads different barriers and, and barricades um, for for different war efforts. So. Um, I think you really feel it once you're there. One, one of the things I think that, you know, really kind of showed that you're in this unique and um, really dangerous place is um, the the bomb siren. So when, you know, the Ukrainian government knows that uh, the Russian military has shot Uh, different missiles off and they will be landing in Ukraine, there's an alarm system and there's actually an application on your phone where you can see what regions are in a danger zone for those missiles. Um, So when that alarm goes off, you have about 20 minutes to find shelter. Uh, You need to find a place that has at least three walls. And from there, you then take uh, a moment and and, you know, as long as the alarm continues to, to really shelter in place until you can uh, go back outside again. So I experienced that, you know, every day from, you know, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. being woken up to the alarm to during the middle of our lunch, uh, having to go and shelter. So for me, you know, I was only there for a week and a half. But for those who live there, that was an everyday occurrence. And I, I can't imagine living a life uh, of fear constantly and, and always knowing that, you you know, you have to, you know, change your plans immediately at the at the sound of a siren.
0: Yeah, I can't believe that. Those things, we really take it for granted um, here in Australia or even in the United States. Um, we we take the peace that we have, the safety that we have every day, we definitely take it for granted. Maybe we don't acknowledge it enough. Hearing that really puts into perspective how lucky we really are. What can you take away from that experience?
1: You know, I think one of the main things people see on the news is the, the constant bombardment and war-torn areas, but they don't think about, you know, the people who actually live there, what what's happening to them. And, um, you know, even though a lot of people are hurting and those who are most marginalized feel the brunt of that, that pain and suffering, um, there is there is a sense of human resilience and there's those who, who really go out of their way to help others. And um, the leader of City of Goodness, you know, she spends her days, whether she's at the orphanage. Um, on hand, helping out with the kids, um, you know, five days a week on her weekends, she's going out and giving out human ter- humanitarian aid. Um, and so she's spending all of her her effort and her time in helping her community and her, you know, her country and nation and all those that are, are suffering. And so I think people see, you know, they see the the sadness of it, but they also don't see the, the f- people behind it who are you know, fighting and and really putting their life in danger to help those around them.
0: Yeah. And uh, Martha, who you mentioned, so what's her story? What's her background? Why is she doing the work she's doing?
1: Yeah, I would kind of call her like uh, she's a modern day uh, Mother Teresa. She essentially started this domestic abuse center and was taking in Um, women and children. And when the war broke out in February of 2022, she completely pivoted and she saw how uh, orphanages were being overrun with kids and there wasn't enough uh, support there to really help what was going on. Um, Obviously, it's such a traumatic and acute event that um, she really stepped up to the plate and and transformed her whole entire meaning. You know, she built buildings to adapt and and take in the, um, the influx of folks that the domestic abuse center became an orphanage. So they created a whole nother building. They also created a, a bomb shelter where um, you could shelter within one of the buildings, in the basements of one of the buildings. Um, but they also were taking in animals and created shelter for them as well. So um, I don't know if I fully answered your question there, but I think I there's think a really great Jackie Robinson quote is, your life is only as good as the impact you have on other lives. And I think the way she finds value and meaning is, is helping others, and that's where she, that really drives her and gets her to wake up every day is seeing the, the impact that she's having and how she's helping these kids. Um, and that's what really drives her every day.
0: That's really incredible. So what's the name of the orphanage?
1: Uh, so I, th- I believe in, in Ukrainian it's mistro dobra, in the English translation you would call it city of goodness. Um, and it's a really it's a really spectacular place. You can you can see how much love and, and um, meaning is are in the walls. There's basically murals capturing kids smiling, birds, animals all over, and it's a truly special place. Um, there's playgrounds. It's um, you know in, in a place that's so completely you know in in pure destruction. You have this this kind of little emblem of hope that just sits within it and um it's a really special place
0: yeah it's so amazing for people to have that safe haven nearby to be able to go to during that time of need when you were over in ukraine what were the children like over there
1: I, i think um you know for those of you on the listening that have spent time with kids or spent a lot of time with kids it's um, you know, they they ranged in age from uh, a few months old all the way to about seven or eight years old. And being in the war torn country that they are in, and, and being you know orphaned from losing both parents during the war, or, or you know other implications, um, they were in good spirits. You know, as kids are, they're they're smiling, they're laughing. Um, the actual bomb shelter itself is is modified to actually resemble a playroom. Um, so. You think about what it's like to to live there, and um, you know, I, I don't know if the kids truly understand what's actually going on. Um, there's there's toys, there's the ability to go outside and play, you know, during safe moments. But it's uh, I think their smiles keep the adults going, and that you know, sense of hope and, and exploration, and and just being um, optimistic is really. You know, it's eye-opening. I think kids bring a lot of spirit to those around them.
0: Yeah, I completely believe so. As well, being given the opportunity to play in those safe havens that Martha has created, I think that's so special. Um, And even the fact that, uh, like you said, a lot of them are still smiling, that's really beautiful. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your experience over in Ukraine that you haven't shared yet?
1: I I would say... uh, I think what, what was really, or one of the things that was interesting to me, is this normalizing a life in trauma. Um, I, I think you know we're we're all humans, but trauma affects different people in in many different ways. And um, as I kind of hinted on before, those most marginalized already are the ones that experience the the largest setbacks or impacts of of uh, of suffering when there's an event like this. And um, while I was there, I think one of the the things that truly, you know, changed my whole perspective was um, this this mother, this mother in poverty, um, living in a house built with uh, out of wood, um, and having two daughters, uh, one of which had cerebral palsy, and having to actually build a uh, a bomb shelter in her backyard uh, by digging a six foot deep hole and building a ladder out of sticks. Um, and then carrying her daughter on her shoulder down the ladder and sheltering there in place until the the sirens and the bombs stop. It, it was truly, you know, eye opening to me. It, it put me into a place of um, just I don't even know how to describe it in words, but you know, uh, utter utter shock. You know, we we take so many things for granted, and it just shows that we're all human the end of the day and um you'll do for you'll do as much as you can for those that you love and you know your immediate family and sometimes it's it goes down to the point of survival
0: that's incredible that um the little girl with cerebral palsy has that support around her to help her get down to the shelters and yeah i think that's so important for uh people with those sort of disabilities to have um amazing support during a crisis like that it really is vital obviously with ukraine and the conflict that's um going on it is still ongoing even today even though your visit was last year um have you had an update from the orphanage from martha maybe
1: yeah i've had some recent contact with them you know they are still you know fundraising in order to to keep uh the kids um you know well supplied there's some some kids who actually have debilitating diseases who need medications, which are very costly, um, you know, certain kids with, uh, cancer and so, and whatnot. And so they are still raising funds constantly to support those, um, a lot of those kids who, who are in greater need. Um, but, uh, you know, they've, they've continued to, you know, they finished construction on, you know, additional buildings within the city of goodness. Um, and, you know, they're, they're continuing to, to also, I believe, take in folks. So, um, there's always need. And I think one thing to, to keep in mind is that, you know, even if it's not covered on the news anymore, doesn't mean it's not happening. And we should really consider the, the fact that people are suffering around the world, not just in the Ukraine, but in, in other places as well. And so um, don't just, you know, use your short attention span of 20 seconds and say, oh, that's happening. Like actually understand that there's things constantly happening that you may not see in, in your every day. And
0: how do you think everyday people can help the situation in Ukraine? How do you think Australians, Americans, um, people who have um, the privilege of being in a country that um, has peace, how do you think that they can help the situation in Ukraine?
1: I I think it kind of ties into my my last sentiment is, you know, don't forget. Keep them top of mind. Um, It's still going on. And to, you know, just continue to to realize what's going on and actually digest it and then figuring out ways to support whether that's, you know, helping here on the ground where you are and and gathering supplies to send over to Ukraine or donating monetarily. There's different ways you can still help. Uh, But I think the main thing is just don't forget.
0: Definitely. And is there a way that people could possibly donate um, to City of Goodness, maybe online?
1: Uh, yes. Happy to share the links to the City of Goodness. I believe there are um, charitable organizations that, you know, feed funds into the City of Goodness, depending on the region in which you live. Um, happy to share those links.
0: Great. I will leave those links below. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thank you, Sam. Um, thank you very much for joining us and see you next time with Projects That Matter.